Welcome to the Vine Podcast. This is Warren, and on today's episode, we have another installment in our ongoing series entitled Vine Stories. In these episodes, we're taking time to hear and learn about the stories of some people within our church family in order to get to know each other better and to get a clearer picture of the ways in which God is moving amongst us as individuals and as a church. Today's episode features the story of Jesse Castro. Jesse has a long history in the temple area, but what some may not know is that it was actually the death of Jesse's husband that precipitated Jesse moving back to temple after he had moved away for a while. His move back eventually led to him meeting Derek, to whom he is now happily engaged, and also eventually led both of them to the vine. In this conversation, Jesse talks about some of the struggles he experienced growing up, the joy of finding a loving spouse, the pain of then losing that spouse, and the ways in which his faith has sustained him through all of that and even been strengthened in the face of loss and grief. We are blessed and and glad to have both Jesse and Derek as a part of our church family, and we hope that this episode helps you to get to know Jesse a little better and that you can be encouraged and strengthened in listening to it. Well, Jesse, thank you for, for spending some time with us and being willing to share your story. And so we started with Bridget's story, and I know that grief was is, is a big part of Bridget's story, and I know grief plays a, a large part in, in your story as well. So let's just kind of start there and, and with your, your relationship with Gino and, and then his death and kind of how that impacted you as a person and as a person of faith. Yeah. Uh, so my relationship with Gino began when I was 18. Um, so we grew together as a unit. My, my relationship with Gino is an uh, interesting one. Like I was 18, he was a little older than I was, um, but my past trauma growing up as a child, um, I grew up fast. So I didn't really mess with people around my age too much, like talking with them, because I just didn't feel like they could understand me or get me. Um, and that's when I met Gino like at a friend's birthday party. And we talked and got to know each other um, and it moved pretty quickly but like you know we were we uh, have been together for 20 years you know before his passing and he taught me a lot he taught me because he knew I had faith in God but I always question God sometimes because I'm like why me being gay did I go through this stuff why would God put me through this stuff and he always taught me like you know one person can make a difference in somebody's life somebody can smile at you and make a difference. So he always taught me that there's always kindness in people, and that's what God was about. You know, God's about that. You know, you don't have to fit religion into a box. It's just showing kindness to one person can make a difference. Um, so Gino helped me grow in my spiritual journey that way, because I always believed in God, always felt like God was calling me, but I always pushed him back, because I'm like, why did you let me go through, you know, these things that I went through. Why did you let my, why did you let me go through the fact that my own family couldn't accept me for who I was, you know? And yeah, so being with Gino is just like seeing another side of something, you know, like it's okay to be you. It's okay to be who you are, to stand in your truth and know that no matter what, God's going to love you, you know? Yeah. Well, just so I guess to add a little bit of context then to, to what you're saying there, talk about some of what you went through then as a child, and and you I think you said the childhood trauma. Yeah. Like what what did that look like for you? What 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 was involved with that with your childhood? Um, it was pretty bad. Um, you know, I definitely seen or saw things I should not have seen as a kid. Like I didn't have that typical relationship with your mother and father where it was like, you know, nurturing or anything like that. It was more like. My mom and dad both were addicted to drugs. Uh, we saw things that we shouldn't have seen as kids. Uh, there was one point where we were had to go live with my grandma because the state took custody of us because my mom had to get right to get us back. And so it was a lot of that and a lot of unsure, unsure like 
sorry, a lot of not being sure where we're going to live. We lived in the back of cars sometimes. We lived in uh, motels. Like, it was just kind of all over the place. Was this in Texas? This was in California. Because oh. I'm originally from California, but moved here when I was in middle school. Um, but then also having dyslexia and not knowing what it was and being called retarded and stupid going through school until they figure out what I had. I got into the right classes in California. That's when I learned sign language. I learned how to do cursive. I learned how to tie my shoe. I was much later starter in school than most people were. Um, yeah. And then we moved to Texas, which was a big shock for me. And we moved to uh, a very small town. Uh, people may have heard of it. It's called Heidenhammer. Some people may have not have heard of that town. Uh, and then I had to go to Little River Academy. Uh, that was a shock for me because... What grade were you when you started again? Uh, I was in middle school, so I don't know sure, like, the grade, but middle school is when I moved here. Um, the crazy thing is with that is, like, they didn't have a program for somebody like me that had dyslexia that was learning really well in California. So, unfortunately, and I share my story all the time because I think this is important. I think education is important, and I think people need to realize that everybody learns the same way and that's okay but we need to take time out for the ones that don't learn the same way and the reason i say that is they had no place to put me when i started school here so they literally stuck me in special education which i think special education is great for the people that actually need it but it really um hindered my learning because i was stuck in special education with people that had down syndrome um, and severe cases of down syndrome and they didn't really know what to do with me. Um, so I lacked on my education. My biggest dream uh, growing up was I always wanted to be a nurse or something like that. Uh, I guess that's why I do massage now. You know, I've been doing that for 18 years, but... More of a physical... Yeah, because, like, I always just never felt comfortable enough to go to school, to go to college, to do that. You know, growing up, I was always told, you're stupid, you're never going to be anything, you can't accomplish anything. Uh, I was told that from people in my family, you know, just strangers. I mean, moving here, uh, you know, I was still questioning, I guess, my sexuality at the time. I didn't know what it was called. I just knew, like, I was different. I knew that, like, I liked people, but as far as being attracted to somebody, I always felt more attracted to, like, men. But, like, as a kid, you don't realize what that is. You're not sitting there thinking, like, oh, what is that, you know? So moving here... I got called, you know, faggot. I got somebody punched me in the face because they said they didn't like the way I looked because I was too gay or whatever. I was called queer. I've, I've been called every lur. And coming from, you know, a Latin household, I was even called like spick. Like it was just really weird for me moving from California here to experience that. Um, so I have a lot to unpack here. So just you can pick well, so and choose what you want. <laughs> sounds like you're saying there there were like several ways in in which you as a kid are realizing that there's something different about you, and and it sounds like in each of those circumstances there are some people or some kind of structure around you that's making you feel less than because yeah. of that. Is that accurate? Yeah. So just home life, sexuality, dyslexia. Yeah. These are all things that you realized sort of made you different from others around you, but others are also kind of making it seem as if that makes you less than. Yeah. And so imagine growing up with that your right. whole life and even some of that coming from your family. Right. So even now as a 42-year-old man, I still struggle with the fact that am I good enough? Can I do enough? Am I doing enough? You know, like it's always there. It's never going to go away. But going back to being a kid, the one good thing that came out of all of that was we didn't have money. And so like when I would be in school in California, this uh, family would take me to church with them on Sundays. And so like, I don't even remember what the name was called, but it was this little blue Bible book that they sang like little kids church songs. And that's what I remember. And like somewhere in there, that's when I found my faith, like really strong faith. Um, and it was qu it, it's a question, and we'll get into that later. But um, somehow I knew that God did have a purpose for me. Like I didn't know what it was. I still don't know what it is, but I'm living it. You know what I mean? Figuring it out. Uh, yeah. Like I don't think we really truly know our purpose until we actually take our last breath. I really don't think we know. I think we're just living it and we're doing the best. And God puts 
situations in front of us that try us and we just have to learn how to manage and deal with it because there are times where I was like I question God and I'm just like why would you do that like why would you even let me as a kid suffer the way I did like why did I go through all this why you know why couldn't I be the nurse I wanted to be why couldn't I have a normal life why couldn't I play the violin like my friend did that I went to Sunday school with you know like how did they have a four-story house and we lived in a trailer like you know it's that kind of thing that I always would think about and be like what did I do so wrong that you're doing this to me but giving everybody else blessing you know that was hard so then you're 18 you meet Gino yeah um how long were y'all friends dating before before you were engaged uh we dated a little over a year and we got engaged and at the time when we had our ceremony it wasn't actually legal anywhere to get married so we actually just had a ceremony believe it or not there was a local bar here that was a gay bar in temple there used to be four of them yeah and um we got married there well not legally married because we couldn't but that's when we had our ceremony there and um you know we just lived our life we tried to do the best that we could and be kind to people gino was the the funniest person that you could have ever met like just he he taught me a lot he told me how to be kind be respectful to work hard like you know it's okay if you fall just pull yourself up and his faith uh he grew up catholic uh, you know he didn't always agree with the catholic church especially him being gay and having to deal with a lot of that like it's hard to say but like gino would joke and it's the truth he would say catholic people are the only people that it's okay to beat your wife on the weekend and go ask for forgiveness on sunday I know that sounds harsh, but like, me and Gino got along that way because we found humor in our trauma. You know, we learned to laugh about it, make jokes about it, and that's how we dealt with it. And that's what was so great about him. It's like, literally, we came from the same type of environment, but different ways. And one of the biggest things that we both had for us is joking around and making fun of it because that was the best way that we could handle the trauma like yeah and even though Gino didn't go to church anymore you know um, he was Catholic so you know he had his Virgin Mary candles that he would light he would pray and he would do that on his own time and like he used to tell me you don't have to have a church to have faith and you don't have to be one religion to have faith like just have faith and he goes I know you believe in God I know you believe in Jesus just have that faith don't let it go and he always taught me that like don't don't lose faith. Even at the worst times and the darkest times, you know, don't, don't lose hope. Yeah. And I'm sure, like, like you said, with your background, to then have someone who, who respects you, who is trying to lift you up and, and all that stuff see, feels, um, I'm sure, very, well, what did it feel like? What did that do for you as a person to sort of have his presence in your life? It really just lifted me up and real, it made me realize that maybe I can start doing things. Maybe I can be more than what I was told growing up. Like, he was my rock. He was my best friend. Um, We grew together. We were together for 20 years. I mean, most straight people can't even say they can stay in a relationship that long. You know, let alone gay people. You know, I'm I'm not making jokes, but it's true. Like, he was my best friend. So you're together for 20 years. Yeah. And then, so so talk about his death. Was was it unexpected? Uh, Yeah, it was was very unexpected. Uh, unexpected um like you know COVID happened I had a really good massage career in Austin um we're actually from Temple originally we moved out of Temple Uh, this is a key point that I have to say we moved out of Temple and moved to Austin um once we legally got married um because we just feel like we couldn't be ourselves in Temple like we couldn't hold hands we couldn't show affection uh you know we've both been called slurs here um you know, Gino was always fun, and everybody loved him because he was a hairdresser. So it was okay for him to do your hair, but it wasn't okay for him to live his life. So we decided to move. Um, so when was that that y'all moved to Austin? Like around what year would that have been? Uh, everything is like a blur since his death, but we lived there for six years before I moved back here after he passed. Um, so I'm not, I can't say dates for sure because like literally I suffered trauma. Yeah. So, so did you move back? post-COVID? Uh, no, we actually moved to Georgetown 
when COVID happened because I got a job at HEB because I couldn't work my practice anymore because I would lose my license if I worked during COVID. So I got a job at HEB in Georgetown. So we moved back there and Gino worked at a salon in Salado called uh, SAS. Um, and he was very close with the, the two ladies that own that. Um, so everything was fine. I was working. Uh, he said that he wasn't feeling well. I said, okay. Um, there's regrets in the story for me a lot. So you just, sorry. Um, so I left work early. Um, it was a Thursday, I believe. And I took him to the doctor. Well, first I asked him, do you want to go to the ER? Do you want to go to the urgent care? Because if you know Georgetown, there's one hospital there and then there's an urgent care. And he said, let's just go to urgent care. It won't take, you know, that long if we go there. So we did. And because of, you know, whatever the reason, um, they never did chest x-rays of Gino or anything like that. They just said he had pneumonia, even though everything I was describing to them were symptoms of a heart attack. And uh, literally everything that we talked about were symptoms of a heart attack. And believe it or not, I did have to study anatomy to be uh, a massage therapist. So I knew all this, but because I was worried about him, I pushed that to the back of my mind, thinking like, oh, he's in good hands. He's, we're here at a hospital. They're going to help him. So they sent us home with medication that they gave him for pneumonia. And he was just in pain. And I said, let's go back to the hospital. He's like, no. It means, you know, you still love to watch the Olympics. And we used to make fun of table tennis. Just was just our thing. Uh, but we watched the Olympics, um, and I used to be a gymnast, so he knew, like, I love sports. Um, this is where it's hard for me, because I feel like God gave me the, these last days with him, because God knew what was going to happen. Um, because of COVID, the job that I took at HEV, I was working um, nights, like, overnight. I didn't get much time with Gino at all. I'm sorry. It's Okay. I didn't get much time with Gino at all. Um, so I ended up taking off that whole weekend um, to be with him. And the doctor told us to come back on Sunday just to do a checkup for Gino's pneumonia. And it was the first time in a while that Gino and I got to be able to um, watch movies, watch uh, the Olympics, just like hang out and he even said, he goes, like, the best thing that came from me being sick is, like, we're getting to hang out. So Sunday, that Sunday, um, he died July 25th. Um, that Sunday. It's just a lot of weird things happened that day that when I look back at it now, I think it was just God trying to protect me and protect him. And uh, he... Uh, he was rushing me to, like, let's go. His appointment wasn't even time yet. But he was like, let's go, let's go. He goes, look, I put the new shorts on you, bought me, like, all this stuff. Like, just normal things that would happen. And we were talking about going after the doctor to go get um, some food and go to, like, Ikea because he liked to go to Ikea and look around and, and then come back and watch movies. And um, everything was fine. And we were talking. He was filling out his paperwork. Uh, he got up to turn his paperwork in. He collapsed. I ran over to him. I looked him in his eyes. I can tell I knew something was wrong. And I just told him, I said, I love you. I said, don't go. But I knew. I don't know how. Sorry. It's okay. I don't know how, but I knew he was gone. And it's weird because I knew he was gone and I was losing my best friend like and it, it's, it's not just him being there like that it was like nobody was coming out like it took like literally 10 minutes for someone to come out and help me like I was trying to do CPR and I was freaking out because this is my best friend like and then finally they came out, and I don't remember even how this happened, and this is why I think it's really just, it's God, like, you know, like something just told me just to go away, something told me, like, just go, like, go outside, you don't, 
need to be a part of this. Like, he's with me. Like, something really told me that. Like, I got him. And so I went outside, and everything else after that was a blank. And, you know, after that, I questioned God a lot. Like, you already made me suffer through my childhood. You made me, you know, I'm a gay man. I have to deal with stuff all the time. And now you took the one person that was my best friend away from me. Like, what did I do? You know? It's hard. I'm sorry. It's okay. So all, all those, those questions you had as a kid are now just amplified. Yeah, because I'm just like, what do I do? What, what, is, like, what did I do to you, God, that you're just so angry at me? Like, is it because I'm gay? Is it because, like, you know, my family? Is it like, wh- what is it? Why do you hate me so much? And, um, you know, before that, before, um, a week before Gino passed, my friend Rebecca came over and we were swimming in the pool and I was telling her how much, like, I do miss going to church and, but I just don't go because I don't ever feel like I can be comfortable being myself and I don't want to go somewhere where they don't accept me or accept me for who I am. And she was like, well, you should go to my church. You know, they're, they're accepting and, you know, they're understanding and, I was like, yeah, and I blew it off. But then after Gino passed, I was like, something was calling me, and I really do feel like it was God. And in a way, Gino telling me, like, you need to do this for you because, you know, I know, and God knows what I was going through. Um, so you had to sign up for baptism because they just don't do it, like, all the time. So I did, and I went there, um, nervous, scared, crying. But Rebecca shared my story with me. They all knew my story, and I don't know if they were, I don't know if they're 100% affirming church, but they didn't turn their back on me, you know, and that's what meant a lot to me, just like this church, like, I know 100% that we're an affirming church, like, them, I still can't say if I knew they're 100% affirming, but they knew my story. It was a place to sort of be and connect at the time. Right, and, and that was important to me, because I was lost, like, literally suffering trauma like that is not something that you get over. And it's, it's something I probably will never get over. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And I just remember being there with this group of people that I didn't know that were getting baptized. And I just remember feeling this presence of like love, not just from the people there, but I literally feel like God was just there with me, guiding me through this, letting me know like, yes, you've been through something that's so traumatic, but there's more for you. There's something I have for you. You may not know what it is. You may not understand what it is. And that's why I say sometimes I don't think we really truly understand until we take our last breath. Because maybe some things aren't for us to know. Um, And I just remember getting baptized. And it was the first time. And it was shortly after, you know, passed. So it wasn't like I was done mourning. And as you can see from me now, I still have a hard time with this. but something came over me. It was the first time I had a full piece of, like, I knew that Gino was in God's hands. I knew Gino was good. I knew God had me. I knew God placed people in my life for a reason. Um, even though it was hard, and I, there were nights where, like, I'm pretty sure my neighbors in my apartment thought I was crazy because I would just, like, scream and yell at God and be like, why? Why? Like, even questioning, like, why didn't you take me instead of him? Because, you know, he had so much going for him, and I've always had nothing growing up from nothing. So, like, why, why him? You know, why couldn't it have been me? Like, uh, so there was plenty of nights of me questioning God and, like, just not sure, but something just kept me focused on the fact that what you know always used to say to me is, like, you can always find kindness or God in somebody in some way. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, that just kept me going. And, uh, cause there's times where I, like, I just didn't even know how to get up. In the morning. Like I didn't know what I was doing, like, but somehow I would get up. And I know that wasn't me because like, literally if I had it my way, I would have just stayed in bed and just never got up out of bed. So I feel like that was God pushing me to let me know that there was bigger things out there for me that I was going to accomplish that I never thought I would accomplish. So you talked about some, so some days just not even feeling like you could get out of bed, but that's God, God kind of helping push you to do that. Did you feel like as you're trying to sort of 
come out of that? Are there small victories that you would try to take as you went, like getting out of bed? Like that's a victory for yeah. like, that's the best I can do today is get out of bed. I did it. Like were there kind of small victories that you kind of would have to look for and take as you went? Yeah. I mean, cause during that time and I, I share this story all the time. Like, uh, I had surgery during that time. Um, Gino and I had talked about having gastric bypass surgery, gastric sleeve surgery. Cause you know, when we got together, we weren't overweight, but as you, yeah, then we became overweight and then, you know, we wanted to get healthier. And so we talked about it and he said, well, you get it done first. And then if you do well by it, I'll get it done. And I was like, okay. Um, but I, you know, even that was a regret for me. Cause I'm like, maybe he should have got it done first because they would have done all this testing on him and all this, you know, so that was hard for me too. And I wasn't going to get it done, but my friends, they were like, you know, well, he wanted you to get it done to be healthier and do all this. And so I went ahead and did that. So even going through that, like, and that happened shortly after he died because the surgery was scheduled. It was already paid for. Like, I just like, so I, I did it. And, uh, like, literally, I could have just laid in bed. But, like, the little victories was, like, me getting up and actually going to take a shower or, you know, go brush my teeth. Or, like, for the longest time, I couldn't listen to music anymore. I couldn't listen. I couldn't watch anything. Like, it, nothing was the same. Nothing felt the same to me. I felt like I was in a void. So just being able to actually get up and take my trash out. And uh, this, is, this is a hard one for me, but it's, it's honest and this is the truth. My dog, Maddie, um, uh, I know God put her in my life. Too. Uh, she, we adopted her probably a couple months before Gino passed. She was returned to the shelter three times because she's a hyperactive dog. And she was on the street for a while. So we adopted her, um, and shortly after Gino died, we lived on the fourth story of the apartment building. And uh, I was sitting on my porch, and the door was open, but Maddie was inside. And I was like, I can't take this. I, I can't do this. And literally, I wanted, and I was going to jump off the balcony of my apartment building because it was a lot. And I talk about my story freely because I think it's important that people hear somebody's story and realize that anything can make a difference in somebody's life. And then all of a sudden she comes out with her little toy and just looks at me and sits down right in my face and just looks at me. And right then, like, I knew. I was like, I can't do this. I can't go through with what I was thinking because God wouldn't want me to do that. He has a purpose for me. Gino wouldn't want me to do that. And I have to take care of her. And I know that sounds crazy, but I know that was God. I know that was God. I, I know that was God. Yeah. So those small moments, small, small, whether it's act of kindness or, or seeing God in something can, can, be a, can be helpful in those situations. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, and and I think it's interesting that as you're you're telling your story, so you you're you're sort of wrestling with all these questions, big questions, um, yes. angry at God, yes. um, you know, all all that that you're going through. But it sounds like that was also sort of what helped push you back to faith and yeah. and church. And it's it's always interesting to hear how people respond to those circumstances because I think for some that that pushes people away. Um, but but I do think that a lot of times what what I hear from people is that those those traumatic moments and those sometimes it's the moments that that make you question God the most that actually end up bringing you closer to Him. Yeah, they do, and it's weird how that works out. I don't understand it, but yeah, like it's true. It's very true. So how did how did then? So you you're, you're kind of now searching for for faith, for, for God, maybe in some different ways now. Um, and it, how, did, how did that time, I guess, kind of strengthen your faith? And, and what did that do to help kind of get you through that, that period of life? It helped me in so much. Like, my sister Gloria, you know, uh, she's, uh, 
she was amazing because she's she go you know she's a big believer too and like she was just there for me and helped me through but like i don't know it was just getting baptized just did something for me and then just going to church with my friend rebecca and just seeing like you know there is greatness out there like even through tragedy there's greatness and we may not ever understand why things happen but it's not like i say before it's not for us to understand god knows what he's doing and i don't really know why i turned back so hard to religion honestly because i've been hurt by church so many times like you know like why was i okay enough to give you money but not okay to be a member or why can't i feel free to be who i am in your church you know uh so there was a lot of church hurt so i'm not sure how that came about and that's why i always say it's god's hand that had he knew what he was doing i was just there and he was steering me in the right direction so you so you're still living in georgetown at that time when did you move back to temple um well see that's the crazy part i was going to go to florida originally with my mom i packed up the u-haul drove all the way there and i was like i can't do this drove all the way to florida yeah. in the u-haul oh yeah. wow <laughs> and then got there stayed the night drove all and mind you i hadn't been sleeping at all since like all this happened so i drove on no sleep all the way back to texas my friend andrea and her mom helen uh they had a fifth wheel they're like just bring your stuff we'll put it in storage we'll get you in the fifth wheel like you know and it's like one of those crazy stories because like yeah i was living in a fifth wheel and the only electricity i had was from a generator so like literally i would only start the generator at certain times because i knew like you know it's only going to last about four to five hours on gas so I went and lived there, uh, which I don't know. I don't even know how any of that happened. Like, I really don't. It's all blurred to me because, like, going through something so traumatic like that and then, like, just being, like, trying to figure out life. And, uh, like, I worked at a car wash after that just because I didn't know, like. Just every, didn't know what to do. Well, yeah, because everything that I used to love and enjoy and do i just stopped my photography was a big thing for me like i loved that i worked with austin pride i did people's album shoots for them in austin i did a lot of things i did nature photography it was like one of my things and after gino died i just lost all joy i guess for anything because i just didn't didn't want to do anything and then slowly i started getting back into Photography, mostly because I say God again, because it was like being out in the country, God would show me like these pretty land, like sunsets and like all this stuff. And like I took one picture and I didn't realize it at first. And then my sister Gloria was like, don't you see? It looks like an angel in the cloud. And then like literally when you look back at the picture, it looks like, you know, what you could think would be an angel in the cloud. And so it's like little things like that, that. And then um, maybe people experience this a lot after someone passes. I don't know. Uh, I have a picture that was one of Gino's favorite pictures I have taken. And it's a butterfly. And after Gino died, I would just see butterflies everywhere. Butterflies and he liked dragonflies. So I see butterflies, dragonflies. Then I started seeing cardinals. Like, it was just really weird. Like, you hear people say that, but like... I would just see them at random times, especially when I was, you know, deep in thought about like, where's my life going now or asking God a question. And then I, they would just be there. And I know that sounds weird or crazy, but I know that was God. And I know a little bit of that was, you know, too, like saying like, I'm okay. I'm in good hands. You're the one that needs to focus on you because, you know, I'm good. And I know that was God's way of saying that too. Like I got him. He's good. Yeah. Now let's just get you through your journey, you know? <laughs> well, so let's, yeah, talk, talk about that a little bit. So now you, you've, you've got some peace. You're, you're seeing God. You, you feel like Gino is, is in good hands. And, and so now you're, you're sort of ready to some extent at least to get on with, with your journey. Um, and so that involved moving back to Temple then, I guess, at some point. Yeah. 
So talk about moving back to Temple, because I know, I mean, so everybody that's a part of the Vine knows you as, as Jesse, but also as Jesse and Derek, right? right. And so, so this is a part of, of your story that, yes. you know, a lot of people here probably don't even know. Right. Um, and so, you know, we always see you here as, as Jesse and Derek. And so talk about moving to Temple and, and what that was like and, and how you met Derek. Yeah, so uh, I moved back to Temple. I lived with my uh, younger sibling. Uh, we shared an apartment together here in Temple, and um, I was just getting back on my feet. So I worked at the car wash. I worked at the Expo Center. I started working at the salon that I work at right now, but I was doing just part-time chair massage because I just didn't know where I was going to land or how I was going to get back on my feet. And uh, through that process, you know, I ended up meeting Derek. Um, I told him from the get-go, like I said, I'm not sure if I'm ready for anything. I said, I just have been through so much in my life and I don't want to pull you down. I don't want to, I, I don't know if I can give you what you're looking for, but like, you know, then we went, what I thought was a date, but Derek said it's not a date if he has to buy his own coffee. Uh, but cause I've been with somebody for 20 years. So I didn't know like how that worked. And I was like, well, is it like, do you go Dutch? Do they buy their own drink or whatever? So I was getting to know Derek and I was like, he's really intelligent. He has a good sense of humor. Like he makes me smile. Um, so then kind of like after that, we just kept talking off and on and we went and saw a movie and we both love coffee. So it was a lot of coffee drinking going on. I <laughs> um, do always have your coffee cups on Sundays. I know. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most of the time. Yes. Uh, and then it just went from there and like i'm very bad on times and dates because like literally i just everything just goes together but like yeah and then you know here we are now and we're getting married in october here at the vine so like it was just amazing meeting somebody that understood that i was going through something and still cared enough about me to stay with me through that and know that like i'm still healing like there's still times where you know he knows that I'm having a bad day or something or around anniversaries of Gino's death or Gino's birthday. And, mm. you know, it's like he gets it. Yeah. He gets me. And because you have to have a partner that gets that if yeah. you're, if you're going to walk through that with, with yeah. somebody and, and invest in a relationship after, after that type of grief and loss. Right. Yeah. And he knew it was important for me to find a church this is the funny part because like he has a lot of church hurt you know he um uh, and, oh and before that so before that like something was always telling me to do something greater for the community because gina and i lived here forever like most of our marriage we lived here uh, and gina was uh, a drag performer and he performed all over and even out of the state and competed and he was just an amazing person. And I wanted to start uh, something here in memory of him. So I decided to start Temple Pride. Uh, it's all started because of him in memory of him. But during that time, I went through a lot of transition with people. Uh, it's hard for me to say, like, uh, taking advantage of situations because I still mentally was not prepared for everything that I was going through. Uh, but it was a lesson learned, you know, and I feel like God put those uh, barriers in front of me for a reason. Um, so, like, when Derek and I, we were dating, I did let him know that, like, um, it was important for me to have a relationship with God and find a church. I said, but I doubt we're ever going to find a church here in Temple, Texas that's going to be supportive. So I took him to the church that I went to in Pflugerville, and he loved it, loved the church. But at the same time, he had church heart. But I think him going there and just seeing like how people can actually love you for who you are. And they knew my story and they didn't like, you know, he, he liked the church. And um, so we started talking about possibly going back up there. But Pflugerville is kind of a drive to go. And I wanted somewhere where I can go and feel like, you know, I was part of a community. And so... Uh, uh, he knew how important that was to me. And I've seen you guys at places, you know, like events and stuff. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, are they really affirming? You know, because every church tries to say they're affirming, but are they really? And so the very first time we were going to come to church here, and this is the truth, we drove up to the building 
And I told Derek, I cannot do this. I said, look at that building. It looks like a bunch of old people that have been a part of this church forever. I can't. I said, because my church hurt is deep um, from churches like this. And so we left. And we didn't come back. And I think it was like, probably like a couple weekends later, we decided, let's give it a shot. Let's just go. And we did. And I fell in love with the vine. And it's been my church ever since then. Like, and I guess it kind of show you too, is like, in a way, God was saying like, it may not look like what you need, but it's definitely what you need. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because yeah. I was so afraid of the church. I was like, it just looked like so many churches that remind me of old stuffy white men that controlled everything. And you know what I mean? Like, literally, like, you know, it was great to see that um, women were able to get up and speak and that there was diversity here. And it seemed like people were actually caring about each other and really were genuine about like being an affirming church. Because <clears throat> like I shared at just dinner, when I moved here, I emailed churches and I let them know my story. Most of them didn't return my emails at all, wouldn't even talk to me. And the ones that did just said I could be a guest, but never a member because I was gay. Yeah. So that was like, yeah. Yeah. When it's, it's funny you mentioned that about the building because that was, that was one of my first impressions even when we came was that the, the exterior of the building didn't, didn't match what we found just within the, the life of the church. And there's, there's probably a lesson there about, you know, don't judge a book by its cover right. or whatever. But, yeah. but I do think that's, that's part of why, we, you know, we wanted to have the mural out front. Right. So it's like, let's have something on the exterior that is colorful and speaks to, to who we are as, as a community of people. So that, Yeah, and I'm glad you guys did that. Because, like, before that mural, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. Like, <laughs> but, no, I'm glad, I'm glad we have that out there now because it's amazing. And it does show people that, you know, we're caring and... You know, the church itself is always trying to do things in the community to get people involved, and I think that's very important. And that's something I do struggle with as a gay man that identifies as Christian as well, is because, like, so many people in the LGBTQIA plus community have so much church hurt that they talk really negatively about Christians. But I always try to tell people you can't put everybody in one category. There are some really crazy right-wing christians out there that like have then that's that's their thing but like then you have people that are like our church that we believe in god we believe in jesus but we're also like you know open to everybody and everything and i think that's important and it, it is hard for me sometimes being gay in the community and you know being proud of where i go to church but then hearing other people talk bad about christians but i'm like it's not all of us are like that you know and that that is hard for me because i do struggle with that do you find so i know you said at one point you and gino had to leave temple move to austin because you didn't feel like you could be yourselves here yeah do you feel like just in the community that it's different now do, do you feel like it's different for you and Derek, or do you still have some of those same struggles just how, how's your experience with that like now how's it changed I think it's different for Derek and I uh, in the sense that um, Temple has changed. It's not 100% where it needs to be, for sure, but it's changing. And I think with more people moving here and realizing and more people coming uh, to the church here and the church getting out in the community more and letting people see that, I think it does make a difference in people's lives and I go back to the, the smallest little things you can do. A smile can change somebody's life. You know what I mean? Like just saying hi to somebody can change somebody's life. So, so, so what have you, so, so y'all have been at the Vine almost a year now, yeah. I think. Um, what, what has your time as, as a part of our church family meant to you, meant to y'all as a couple? What have you been able to, to experience here? For me, it just meant everything. Like, I can be myself when I worship. You know, like, if you're giving a sermon and you make me cry, like you do a lot, um, you know, Derek's okay. He can, like, you know, comfort me. And I don't have to worry about anybody in there freaking out because he's comforting me because he knows I'm going through something. You know, I can be myself. I think for Derek, it's helping him. And, like, I'm speaking for myself, but he has his own story. But 
I feel like for him, it's bringing back um, what he was missing when he was a part of his church and, you know, did youth ministry and all that. And uh, I just think it's kind of helped both of us in a way, whatever he's, you know, dealing with from his church hurt and just me having a place where I actually feel like this is my church. This is where I belong. And, you know, through the good or the bad, I'm going to have people that love me here. You know what I mean? So that's important for me. That's good. Well, we're, we're glad that y'all are a part of our church family. And I know y'all um, mean, mean a lot to a lot of people here. And you're, you know, I think one of the things that, that is, is maybe surprising to some people is just hearing about some of your struggles. And um, because, you know, y'all are so... I know you get a lot out of our worship experience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I see your, your expressiveness, your, um, it, it, it feels like, I, I think I'll just say from my perspective, it feels like when, when I see you in our worship space, that there's joy there. And, and I know you said that was a struggle for you after Gino's death was nothing had joy anymore, kind yeah. of. Um, but do you, is, is that accurate? Is, is, do you feel like there's, there's joy in, in just you worshiping kind of when we're here together on Sundays? Oh, absolutely. I feel like that is like, everything's great about this church, but when I can worship, that's like the best part. And song selections are a lot because, like I said, I stopped listening to music, like all music. Like I just didn't find joy in anything, like at all. And so to be able to connect with the music and, you know, it's weird. I don't know if you guys pick things on purpose when you do the music or if you know somebody's going through something and so you pick it. But like, you know, there's always when I'm going through something and Derek knows I'm going through it. I don't always share it with everybody at the church because, you know, it's just something like the way I grew up. It was like you had to be like tough and you had to be a certain way and so like you just don't share with everybody and I probably should share more but I just hold it in and there's always like songs that will come and then like literally I'm bawling and praising at the same time because I'm like okay they knew to play this song for me today <laughs> you know like God knew I needed this today you know but that's I I love I love that. I yeah. love that I can... See, no, I, I think that's one of the, to me, one of the things I've really come to appreciate about worship and about worshiping together with community and, and recognizing sort of the Spirit's participation and, and presence in, in worship. Whether that's here, you know, like you said, you, know, you, can, you can experience that on the balcony of your apartment right, or right. in nature, yeah. but, but I think it happens in a special way too in worship because it happens a lot that, that someone will come to me after a sermon and say, like, I don't know if you know what I've been through this week, yeah. but like this thing that you said was for me. Yeah. And I like, I had no clue. Like, you know, I didn't, you know, it'll, it'll be people that I hadn't seen all week or people that are new to the church right. that there's nothing I know about them and, and have told me like, this was, this was for me. And, and I think that's just the, the spirit's presence and participation because yeah, there are times when we'll try to pick songs that go along with like a theme that we're trying to to convey in the service or whatever but yeah i can't ever think of a situation where it's been like we know this person was going through yeah. that so we'll pick it but but i think i think it is good when we're able to make those connections and yeah. and and see how how something we experience in worship can can have that effect on us yeah and like i said before you can have church anywhere but it is good to be in a room full of people having worship that it just, the energy just comes through, you know what I mean? And you can just feel it and you can feel God's hand and God's presence. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. And I think that's, there, there is something powerful about coming together with other people for worship. Right. And, and I do think, you know, even just the, the way that, that you and Derek both um, engage in that time, I do know is an encouragement to, to others around you and to others in our church. And, and I think that's just such a cool thing about worship that it's not only about what I'm doing and getting out of it. It's, it's the fact that we're experiencing it together and that I can see God working in someone else's life. Um, that just is part of what, 
what makes that time yeah. special and unique. And it's okay to feel the music. It's okay to right, like, yeah. It's okay to get down and worship. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> and see, that's something I have come to because like I, I grew up in a very sort of you know you didn't do right. any of that in worship. Um, right. You your worship was very sort of orderly and uh, I think in many ways some some purposefully and some not purposely tried to take emotion out of worship. Right, but. How can you do that when God has his hand in it and God, right. God well, is making yeah. you feel? And God that's is now like, what I think. <laughs> yeah, because God is like, oh, no, you're going to feel me and you're going to like, yeah, feel it. Go yeah. with it. Like, if you want to be loud, be loud. If you want to sing and you can't sing, sing. Who cares? You know? Right. And so I know for me, like, because that's my background and, and because I'm just more reserved generally anyway, um, it's I, I still and not very sort of expressive in my sort of worshiping time, right. Right? especially with singing. But, but I enjoy and I'm glad that we have others who do feel the freedom to do that. And so I get something out of seeing right. others who, who have that. Who knows, maybe one day you will. Maybe you'll do cartwheels down the aisle, I don't know. It won't be that, oh, but okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe something, but right. that would be the, the direct work of the spirit. If you see yes. me doing cartwheels yes. sometime down the aisle. Um, yeah. So, well, uh, I'm, I'm certainly glad that y'all are, are here. I appreciate you sharing your story. I guess to kind of wrap up a little bit, I'm curious to hear what, what are some of your hopes for the future, whether that's you, you and Derek, Temple Pride, the Vine, what are, what are you looking forward to? What do you see um, in the future? I look forward to me and Derek continuing our chapter through life uh, with each other and also with Divine. Um, I do want to continue things with Temple Pride, but I have a time limit on myself for that. Um, so I just want to be eventually able to pass it on to somebody that will take it on and go do even better things than I have done with it. Um, but really it's just building the community at our church at the Vine and just uh, moving on to the next chapter of life that God's put in front of me with Derek and growing our family and growing our network of friends and you know just having time for God in our life and just having time for each other and our dogs and our cat so like literally that's that's what keeps me going yeah that's good yeah well, thank you, Jesse, and thank you for sharing your story and hope this helps others to, to get to know you a little better and um, hope we can keep just building, like you said, building the community that, that we have here and getting to know each other better so we can support and encourage and, and love on each other. Absolutely. Thank you. Until next time, thanks for listening and God bless.